So the most entertaining hockey game of the night belonged to not the NHL. It belonged to the NCAA. It was the 71st consecutive Beanpot. Northeastern wins it 4-3 in overtime over Macklin Celebrini's Boston University Terriers. That was a great game. I did a terrible job hosting yesterday as I failed to mention this game at all yesterday. I um, was very NHL focused. Some international hockey we touched on a little bit. We have some updates there when it comes to the Olympic qualifiers and some statuses of some of the countries that might be um, trying to ply their way into 2026 Milan. Hope everybody's having a great Tuesday. Uh, we're getting going here earlier on. Raven, uh, welcome back. We are happy to have you here today. Um, any 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 last uh, minute Super Bowl takes? I know we're going to have you on the deep fade in a little bit later too, but uh, we didn't we didn't have you on yesterday to uh, get your initial thoughts on the big game before I before I jump bean pot. My uh, tiny three leg parlay missed because Brock Purdy got six yards over on my under bet. So brutal. Uh, that was painful. Um, first half of the game was an absolute snooze fest. Second half was some good football and. The Usher show was uh, pretty mid. That seems to be the consensus now, doesn't it? So um, tune into the deep fade later on this afternoon that will be coming out with Zach and Raven on there. So the bean pot, uh, Gunnar Fontaine, who I maintain has probably one of the coolest names in hockey right now, scores in overtime. Uh, he did that last Monday for the bean pot semis. So scores in overtime for the second straight Monday and Northeastern have won back to back bean pots. They've won five of six. Is this uh, a dynasty akin to the the Chiefs dynasty that we were just talking about in uh, football? So uh, it was just a really electric atmosphere at TD Garden. We're going to get into college hockey talk. We're going to we're going to bring on Johnny Lazarus in a few minutes here. So um, we're going to talk some college hockey with him. And I maintain that college hockey has some of the most electric atmospheres in sports. We are all aware of the the production and show that goes into college football and. Um, we all know that a uh, hundred thousand plus fans show up to some of these schools, but when you pack students into some of these tight barns and some college hockey arenas like Yoast and the one in Minnesota, the, like they, they fill up good amounts of students, but even some of the smaller, more intimate ones too, are, um, some of the best atmospheres in the game. Obviously this game was played on NHL ice last night. TD garden hosted the, the Beanpot championship game. So um, the game itself was a great pace. Uh, Northeastern never led in the game, but they just kept fighting and clawing back. They uh, had bursts of some strong, quick strike offense, and they were able to bury it. So um, they uh, bent but never really broke. So a great response from them every time BU scored, or it looked like they might get some insurance. Um, goalie Cameron Whitehead was excellent. He won the Eberly Award given to the uh, goalie with the best save percentage in the tournament. Got to play two in two games to qualify, so he won that. Uh, Fontaine won the MVP for Northeastern. Um, both players were tremendous both games. And uh, it was the ninth bean pot overall for Northeastern. Um, for BU, I know that was a tough loss. Uh, a lot of the players were pretty bummed about that. You could see uh, after giving up the overtime winner. Um, Luke Tuck was all over it. I am becoming more and more a fan of this player every time I watch him. Um, he's just that kind of player. Reminds me a lot of his older brother. Um, very engaged, very physical, very not shy from uh, contact and getting to the gritty, dirty areas of the ice to try and create opportunities for both himself and his line mates. So really good player. Celebrini obviously was a star, scored the opening goal. You kind of thought he might do what he did in the Boston College semifinal and buried two in the first period, but uh, Celebrini was all over it. Lane Hudson also were, you know, talking about some of the best players in college hockey here, folks, but he creates something out of nothing every single time he touches the puck, whether it's a scoring opportunity for himself, whether it's a rush, the the 10 and 2 skating, it's all fantastic. He scored with six seconds left in the second period to give Boston University a 3-2 lead. Um, but just even getting open in front of the net, spinning off of a guy, um, getting getting his stick down on the ice and being able to put one in a, in a spot that he can put it in the back of the net. So... Um, Boston University is a really good team. We will, uh, we're going to talk to Johnny about that too. And, uh, just what teams he likes, what he covers college hockey folks for Nesson. So, um, we'll get his takes on all that. Uh, we had four games in the NHL last night. We're going to talk a little bit about them. Now we will hold on the Rangers flames and, um, the Philadelphia Flyers, they might be for real here. They, uh, 
another comeback victory last night, 5-3 over the Arizona Coyotes last night, and um, they've won four straight post the break. Morgan Frost with the penalty shot goal, Jamie Drysdale with his second as a flyer. Um, things are just being put together for Philadelphia. Another strong performance from Travis Konechny and uh, Scott Lawton. They might be for real. I know we're probably a little bit past that point where uh, calling them for real is a hot take, but that's not what this is all about here. We're we're analyzing it. I think a lot of people thought that this might the wheels on this bus might just fall off eventually, and they haven't. And it doesn't look like they're going to anytime soon. If the goaltending can hold up for Philadelphia, if they figure out what players are in it more for the long haul or past the the March trade deadline. Um, we'll see. And as far as Arizona goes, things are kind of quickly getting away from them. It's derailing what looked kind of like a promising season to begin and a season that could have potentially been above expectations, uh, not just in the team, but from the outside, what everybody thought of the Coyotes this year. Um, they were playing at a really high level. Some of their players still are. Nick Schmaltz has been excellent still. Same with Clayton Keller. Um but I think the expectation for Connor Ingram to play as well as he has in as many games as needed to be to keep the Coyotes in that chase has been tough. And uh, Corral Vimelka has struggled this year as the the number two, the one B, whatever you want to call it in Arizona. And um, there have been some bright spots, but if these games continue to go this way, they're now under 500 again. And um Things are going to derail pretty quickly for the Coyotes. So uh, that was the one game. The other game was the Devils beating the Kraken 3-1. to Nice to see Jack Hughes get another goal in his return from injury. He also had an assist in that one. Um, we're going to see both of those teams back in action again tonight. The Kraken are on Long Island to take on Patrick Waugh and the Islanders. And the Devils travel to Nashville to take on the Predators. So um, those are two of the 11 games we have on tap for tonight. And uh, should we talk about this Anthony Duclair story or should we? I, I think we're going to actually go to the PWHL trade or did you talk about? Oh, it we did talk about the PWHL trade yesterday. Yeah. Sophie Jake going to uh, Minnesota. So, um, yeah, we broke that down yesterday. Good trade for both sides. And we also talked about how um, you can't trade draft picks yet in the PWHL. So all the play, all the trades are player for player or player for players. Um, so is there cash considerations? There are no cash considerations from what I understand at this point. No. I imagine that in the draft picks will excuse me, will probably be introduced at like the similar time. Yeah, I mean, so there is an upcoming draft this year and uh they will do an entry draft. Uh, I mentioned Sarah Fillier is the the player that everybody seems to be fighting at the bottom of the standings for right now. Although I think all I, I maintain that right now all the teams in the PWHL rightfully still believe they have a shot to make the playoffs this year. So uh, nobody is tanking in my mind for that uh, first overall pick, and um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see how that goes. Um, only only play, uh, player swaps right now, so I think part of that has to do with the fact that um, they just don't know how the draft is gonna go yet. One and two, there might be an expectation that maybe this first year they kind of want all of these teams to collect a pool of players. I maintain that we're going to see PWHL expansion as soon as this season. They've already announced um, out-of-market games in Pittsburgh. They're do or they're doing one out-of-market game in Pittsburgh. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see if they tried to fit another one in there. Um, they they might be doing two. Raven, maybe if you could check on that. But um, I don't know that it's we're, we're bringing Johnny on in a second too. So I'll leave your hands free. But um, I, I would anticipate that we're getting some expansion soon when it comes to the PWHL. So. Um, maybe they want all of these teams to hold on to their draft picks, accumulate some young talent for the first go round, and um, we'll see how an expansion team were to be felt. Because I don't know that also that they would do traditional expansion draft rules. I think a lot of these teams would get to hold on to their players, and um, maybe a new let's say Pittsburgh, um, because that's where the out of market game is going to be for the PWHL. Um, if they get a team, then I could see them just going into free agency, getting the first overall pick and, uh, going from there. It's so, not going to be like, um, the NHL where they do like the expansion draft where everyone puts up a few guys. I don't think the league is at that point. I was going to say, there's you know? not, a, there's not enough player base. And if everyone's doing that, 
I mean, you're not really getting a fair share split of the yeah, talent. Yeah, I, just, I don't know thing, that it's so. fair to the teams that are still in there. Um, we mentioned yesterday, too, the difficult part about uh, these player trades is a lot of these players, um, they moved across country for this. They haven't had a stable home in a really long time. And now imagine you, you get Sophie Jakes if you're the former Boston PWHL Boston defender, now PWHL Minnesota <laughs> defender. Um, you're picked 10th overall in the draft. You're signed to a three-year deal by Boston. You probably think that you're able to establish some roots there and that you're going to be there for a little bit of time. And then up in six weeks into the season, here you are moving to the Midwest and somewhere, you know, I, I'd argue it probably could have been a bit more of a challenge if you were coming uh, or going to Canada from the United States, dealing with issues like a work visa and all that kind of stuff. So um, probably a bit of an easier move, but maybe not as easy of a move as, let's say, going from Boston to New York. So um, we'll, uh, we'll we'll leave the PWHL for now. Uh, their trade deadline, I think, is March 17th. I'm going to confirm that really quickly. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to mention really quick before we get Johnny Lazarus on is um, the IIHF announcing that they have extended the ban on Russia and Belarus to the entire 24-25 season. That will mean that Belarus will be unable to play in the Olympic qualifiers that will happen this summer. I mentioned them being in one of the last three remaining groups, fighting for three, the three remaining spots. So no qualification opportunities for Belarus. And um, Hungary is the country that will take their spot in the group, along with Slovakia, Kazakhstan, and Austria. That is Group D happening in Slovakia that will take place in the summertime. Um, we got the other two groups there, two Group E and Group F. Um we are going to bring on Johnny Lazarus in a second. This guy is probably one of the uh, the busiest men in hockey. He's truly all over the place. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm excited to have him on. Um, we're going to talk a little bit little bit of Rangers. We're going to talk a little bit of the outdoor game. We have the, the two outdoor games at MetLife Stadium this uh, weekend. We have uh, Philadelphia is going to take on the New Jersey Devils on Saturday. And then Sunday we have Rangers Islanders. We're going to get into that with him a little bit, too. Um, and then some good games on tonight too. We're going to talk a little bit about those after a little St. Louis at Toronto, a little bit of, uh, Tampa Bay visiting the Boston Bruins. That's a pretty big Atlantic division showdown tonight. So, uh, we'll get into all that later. I also have a really nice Anthony Duclair story that, uh, hits kind of close to home for me and that I kind of want to share with you all later on. So, um, how's it going over there, Raven? First try went to voicemail. We're trying again. Oh, no worries. He's a he's a busy guy. This is definitely one of the busiest guys in hockey that we are um, getting on with us. So uh, we will get him on whenever he is ready. Um, let's so maybe let's get into some of the other games too. We mentioned yesterday the All Sabers right. are hosting. Huh? He uh, picked up and I'm switching him over now, so he should be on. Right on. So uh, we're welcoming on now Johnny Lazarus. I mentioned this earlier. The busiest man in hockey right now. Um, he's the host of the Blue Crew podcast as well as Morning Cup of Hockey on Daily Faceoff. Covers the New York Rangers for the Hockey News. He is a college hockey analyst for Nesson, does content for, for Bleacher Report in the NHL. Uh, Johnny Lazarus, everybody. Thanks for doing this, Johnny. How you doing, man? I'm good. Thank you for that nice introduction. I appreciate it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Very happy to be here on this snowy day. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. So first of all, man, is there just, is there anything you don't do? Like here, you're all over the place. I wasn't even going to ask about NHL all-star weekend, but I might now, uh, it looked like a great weekend there. You were part of a lot of really fun events. It looked like, uh, is there anything you don't do in hockey right now? Are you the busiest man in hockey right now? Is it not biz? I'm definitely not the busiest man in hockey right now. And, and yes, while biz is also very busy, gotta give credit to Kenny Albert. Cause that guy is everywhere. Oh yeah. Um, I would say, you know, if I had to pick one person or even Jackie Redmond, um, you know, she is, she's working every night. There are so many people and, you know, in this business, you kind of just want to do as much as you can. So um, I appreciate you guys saying that I'm the busiest guy in hockey. That, that does mean a lot to me. But, um, you know, as you can tell from my voice, I definitely probably talk a little bit too much. Uh, <laughs> but I, I always try to do as much as I can. And, um, you know, that's kind of advice that was given to me when I was younger to, you know, say yes to everything and, you never know what can happen from an opportunity. And, you know, I've always kind of just tried to do as much as I can. Do you have a favorite thing you're working on right now or a favorite thing you're working with right now? I know you, you know, is it the college hockey? Is it the morning cup hockey show? What's, what's your favorite part that you guys got going on right now? Um, 
I mean, they're all so different, but you know, I think I'd have to say my, uh, my content series with Bleacher Report is probably my favorite. The, the laps around the ice, the open skates. It's great. Um, you know, those are, you know, to be honest, they don't require a ton of work. Uh, but you know, anytime I get to be in an NHL arena on the ice with an NHL player, it's, uh, you know, it's something that I still pinch myself about. It's, uh, it's kind of crazy. And, you know, the, the 10 year old version of me would, would kind of freak out if, if he knew that I'd be doing this, um, you know, at 27 years old. So that's something that I definitely don't take for granted and something that I really get a, a big kick out of. It's a great series, man. I really enjoy watching those clips on on Instagram, and they're they're great. Um, so Thank let's you. jump into the Rangers. Let's talk about them a little bit. Let's start with the game last night. Rangers win two zero with Cal- or against Calgary. Uh, what was the story for you? Is it the amount of odd man rushes going each way, but nobody really able to put the puck over the goal line? Was it the chippiness of the game? I didn't really expect that between those two teams, but there was a lot of definitely post whistle scrums between the groups and. Uh, or was it Igor Shesterkin, obviously, the 30-save uh, shutout, his first of the year? What was the story for you last night? I mean, you just said it all. Like, Jacob Markstrom was unbelievable, too. Um, you know, I think that third line has also, you know, started to form a bit of Will Cooley, Johnny Brzezinski, and Capo Caco. You know, they had goals now in the last three straight games. And, you know, good goals, right? The first game, it's uh, against Tampa. Johnny Brzezinski's at the dot, gets a great pass from the boards. After a good two-on-two board battle, he rips that puck top shelf, and you want to see the Rangers shoot the puck more. And then in Chicago, you know, it's a quick transition. Uh, odd man rush, I believe it was Cooley who made a saucer pass to Kako, and then Brzezinski stopped at the net to put on the rebound. And then last night, a similar situation. Johnny Brzezinski makes a great play on the back check. Kako, you know, springs free for a mini two-on-one. Will Cooley stops at the net and bangs home the puck, you know, three or four times before it goes in. So, you know, these are like playoff-style goals and goals you want to see from a third line. And, you know, that's something that I've been talking to Peter Laviolette about for the last two weeks is that do you, do you want to see the guys hungrier around the net? Because, you know, when you talk to opposing teams, the Rangers are, you know, a bit of a cute team. They always look for that perfect play. And, you know, I, I think opponents would say they're not a hard team to play against. Um, not, not because of their skill, because of their just overall hunger. Um, so to see them score the game-winning goal like that last night, you know, I think this group needs a little bit more of that. And, uh, you know, Will Cooley, you know, 22-year-old kid, He's he's been such a big ad for this team this year. He's got nine goals, you know, maybe isn't lighting up the score sheet, but nine pretty big goals. Um, you know, I think two of them are game winners. So, you know, that third line, you know, you talk about it every year. You need a good third line. You need depth to win the playoffs. And I think, you know, we might have some here with this, this third line for the Rangers. A lot of different directions we could go in, but I want to hang on to Will Cooley there for a second. You mentioned it was his ninth goal last night, also 16th point. He's played in every single game for the Rangers this season. Um, what can we expect more from him in terms of his growth and development? What are the long-term possibilities for a guy like Cooley, and can he be a guy? I think he personally can be the guy that scores those playoff-style goals, the ones right in front of the net, jamming away at rebounds like we saw last night. Oh, yeah. I mean, me and my buddy Fitz, uh, you know, pretty big Twitter personality. If you guys know Fitz, oh yeah, um, you know, we, we we go back and forth about it a lot. And he kind of he didn't start it because it's a Draymond Green quote. He's a big Golden State Warriors fan. Draymond Green, I believe, a year or two ago said, "There's 82 game players and there's 16 game players, and that's you know obviously separating the guys who perform in the regular season, the guys who perform in the playoffs." Will Cooley is a 16 game player. Like that's a guy that you want you know, come playoff time. He does everything. He's got skill. He's got size. He's got speed. He's got strength. He mucks it up. He'll drop the gloves. He'll throw the body. He'll score a goal. He'll dangle. He'll, you know, he's so, I don't want to say underappreciated just because he's so young in his rookie year, but you know, what this kid brings to the table is what any team, any coach would want in the NHL. And it's great to see him having a really strong rookie year. Um, you know, I, I think it's uh, something that not many people expected, you know, right out of camp this year that he'd make the team. But um, he's, he's surprised a lot of folks and has opened up a lot of eyes. So how about the other goal scorer from last night? Jimmy VC? I mentioned him on the broadcast a bit here. Um, we've talked about his shooting percentage in high danger scoring areas. He really has been solid at just putting the puck home, shooting the puck hard. You got I know it may sound ridiculous, but you have to shoot the puck hard in the National Hockey League. Otherwise, it's not going to go in. 
Um, Jimmy VC has been doing that a lot lately. The effort I know it was an empty netter, empty netter last night, but just even hey, the effort play, on though. it. Yeah, it's an, a great yeah. play off of Noah Hannafin. Um, you know, taking the puck from him. I, I you could even see on Hannafin's face he was a little surprised that he thought he was going to make a play there and did not end up doing it. So um, there's been some talk about the Rangers maybe augmenting the bottom six a little bit. I wanted to get to that too. We have uh, we have Tyler Johnson over here in Chicago, so that's that's a name that's been going around. But I know that with mm-hmm. the bottom six talk in the Rangers, that a player like Jimmy VC might have been a little, let's say, offended by it because he's having a phenomenal season. And if you're adding another piece to the bottom six, what does it do for maybe a guy like that? But uh, the Rangers did sign VC to an extension this year too, um, so he's going to stick around. You know, he really likes playing in New York for the Rangers. Um, just maybe share a few words on this player, what, what you think of him and his season so far. Well, Jimmy Vs is interesting too, right? Because you know this is a guy who was a skill guy in college. You know, Hobie Baker winner. Yeah. Um, you know, goal scorer, playmaker, and he still shows that, right? Like you see the skill that he has. You know, maybe the, the speed isn't there. You know what what it once was, but you know Jimmy Vs is a guy who can play throughout the entire lineup. Like, you know, I think maybe a month or two ago, I was trying to make the case that they should bump him up with Nika and Kreider. You know, they started the year last year with that line. And, uh, you know, it did okay. Not great, but it did okay. And, you know, the Blake Wheeler experiment has had some highs, some lows. But, again, I, I don't think you can put Wheeler down on the fourth line. It doesn't really make sense to drop him. Um, but Jimmy Vesey, like, he, he's so valuable because he does everything. You know, similar to Will Cooley, a little bit of a different style because his physical presence isn't as, um, I guess, visible. But, you know, VZ's a guy who kills penalties, um, you know, block shots, uh, ha- you know, has that scoring touch like you mentioned. You, you know exactly what you're going to get from a guy like Jimmy VZ every night. I think that's so important to have. And, you know, obviously when you talk about adding to the bottom six, he's going to take that personally because, you know, he's done a great job this year. But there's obviously always room to improve. There's no perfect roster in the NHL. So, um, you know, a guy that I would love to see come here that has been talked about a little bit lately. I don't know how realistic it is, but – Boone Jenner is like, you know, the perfect fit for what this team needs. Wow. A goal scorer, a leader, um, a centerman, you know, and I, and I love Johnny Brzezinski. I don't, I don't want him to come in and like take Brzezinski's spot, but I think Johnny Brzezinski can, you know, easily go to that fourth line right wing or even fourth line center and put Goodrell on the wing or something. Um, so, you know, I, I think there's always room to add, but I don't think anyone can knock what Jimmy VZ has done this year. Fair enough. I um, Boone Jenner is a very intriguing name. I think any number of teams would love to have Boone Jenner. I don't know if it's still out there, if Columbus is really interested in moving Boone Jenner yet, um, but I think anybody's really movable for the right price. Um, we have also heard Adam Henrique's name around the Rangers, but I wanted to go to that for a second. Um, so here in Chicago particularly, uh, especially when the Rangers were in town last night, Tyler, Tyler Johnson's name was floated around. His name's come up quite a bit around the Rangers. Um and with Heedle's injury status, obviously, there is maybe a bit of a desire for a third-line center for the Rangers. So do you think there's any merit to that marriage potentially between Tyler Johnson and the Rangers? And um, if so, could Capo Caco be part of a potential return for either of any of those players, whether it's Henrik or um, Johnson or Boone Jenner? Well, Johnson's interesting because... For me, I think it'd be a rental, which I don't know if the Rangers are really all that interested in. Um, and his cap hits, what, $5 million a year right now? So it's a pretty hefty cap hit. Uh, would it be a good pickup? Yes. But I don't know if the Rangers really have that much interest in getting rid of Kako for a rental. Um, you know, especially with where he's performed right now, I, I don't think Capo Kako really – you know, is a big threat to a, a big cap hit. I know his contract ends this year as well, but they have a solid third liner in Kako at a pretty cheap price. Um, so I don't know if it's worth it to get rid of that for a guy like Tyler Johnson who might require more money. Um, just knowing where the Rangers are cap-wise right now, it could make things a little bit more complicated. Not saying it's impossible, but, um, you know, I think Capo makes more sense in like a, a trade for someone with term. Um, and that's why I think I, I geared more toward Boone Jenner because the Rangers, you know, they have a lot of moves to make at the end of this year. So having guys come with term, I think, is more beneficial for them in the long run. Um, I know, I know, like you said, Johnson's name has been floated around, but 
that's why Jenner is so interesting to me because he comes at a cheaper price than Tyler Johnson does, and he has two more years left on his deal. So I think that's why it's just more beneficial for the Rangers. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, listen, like you know, these 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 deadline talks, anything can really happen, and, and there's always ways around things that you know are above my pay grade. I don't know how everything works in regards to contracts and everything. I know there's you know a way to retain salary and whatnot, but. Um, I have to imagine the Rangers are happy with Kako on the third line, but I know they are interested in taking calls for him. And I, I just don't know if Tyler Johnson is the guy that really gets you over the edge here at 33 years old, you know, $5 million a year. I don't know if that's uh, the route you'd want to go in if you're the Rangers. Fair enough. Um, so we'll we'll get away from the trade talks then. And I, I'm going to jump to the outdoor games this weekend in a second. But I did want to mention one more player. Um K. Andre Miller is probably one of my favorite players to watch in the National Hockey League. He's an incredible skater, really just a cerebral player overall. Uh, and he just keeps getting better. I know it's hard to get a lot of shine on a back end. That also includes Adam Fox, and he is tremendous. Um, but what do you see from K. Andre? You mentioned a big summer coming up for the Rangers this year. He is eligible for an extension this year, and I would think that maybe the Rangers have interest in locking up a player like this long term. But um, just on the ice, what do you what do you see from K. Andre? I like I said, one of my favorite guys to watch in the league right now. I fully agree, and I thought he made an incredible play in that breakaway last night. I really thought he was going to bury that one and would have put the game away. Um, but Keandre is a very unique player physically. Uh, there aren't many guys in the league who have his skating ability, his size, and his reach. But the one knock on Keandre is that he doesn't play as physical as he is size-wise. You know, you want to see him play – a little bit angrier, a little bit meaner for how big he is. Cause I think he'd be an even bigger weapon out there if he just had that, you know, killer instinct, which, you know, I don't want to say he doesn't have because he has, you know, he's, he's shown his competitiveness, but he hasn't shown his anger, you know, and I think that's something that you want to channel out of a guy that's so effective like he is. And he's only 24 years old, you know, has so much room for improvement and he's already, you know, so impactful to this lineup. Um, you know, again, one of my favorite players to watch, too. I know he's also had some mental health things go on this year, so you can't, you know, judge too critically. But, um, you know, I think the ceiling for Keandre is so high, and I think he still has, you know, a lot of things to work on to get there. But, you know, what he's done for this group since he's been here has been, um, in, in my mind, you know, very impactful and very positive. But you just want to see a little bit more consistency, although his offensive numbers have really improved this year. You know, seven goals, 13 assists already. Uh, I believe he finished last year with like 42 points, right? Was that what he uh, was something like that. What he had last year? So I don't know if he's on pace for that again this year, which is a little disappointing because he had a pretty hot start. But, um, you know, I, I think the offensive production is certainly a, a big plus and um, just want to see him play a little bit more physical. Yeah, 43 last year for Kendra Miller. He's got 20. He's got 20 this year. So uh, we'll see where that goes. Um, shifting more towards this week, and we'll get to the end of the week too. But before the Rangers head outdoors, uh, they'll take on the Habs on Thursday. Is this a potential look-ahead game, especially with that the fun outdoor weekend in mind? Is this, you know, Montreal's quickly sliding down the standings a little bit? Is this um, a game that potentially the Rangers could overlook their opponent a little bit? I would say it's certainly uh, set up to be a trap game for sure. But with the way, you know, I, I imagine they're going to start Jonathan Quick. Uh, that'd be my guess. There's been no um, hint at that. But, you know, with the way the goalies have played lately, I, I still trust both of them. Um, and, and I say lately, Igor was fine against Chicago. I wouldn't say those goals were his fault. Uh, he played great last night. Jonathan Quick has obviously played great in his last stretch of games. Um, and, and Montreal isn't really the biggest scoring threat. So I would say the Rangers can hold their own and, and come away and extend this win streak to six games. Do I think the effort might lack a bit just because their focus might be elsewhere? That's certainly a possibility. Um, you know, I know a lot of guys have family coming to town for the game and whatnot. So just there are a lot of distractions and that's a very real human nature thing to deal with. So yes, it, it certainly is set up to be a trap game. Um, I, I'm not positive if Montreal plays before they might play tonight. Let me just take a quick look. Yeah, they're home against the Ducks tonight, so we'll see how they come out tonight. They, you know, if they lose that home against Anaheim, they could have a little bit of a spark in them Thursday night on the road against the Rangers. Uh, but they're also not a team to take lightly just because they have a great coach in Marty St. Louis. You know, they got guys like Cole Caulfield up front that can score goals. 
Um, Nick Suzuki as well, who's been playing pretty well as of late, but they did just get spanked by the St. Louis Blues on home ice on Sunday. So uh, you never know what you're going to get with Montreal. Um, but again, good teams take care of the bad teams. So there should be no excuses for the Rangers, whether they're looking ahead or not. They should come out Thursday and take care of business and then go into Sunday feeling pretty good about their game. So let's get to Sunday then. And um, we have the outdoor game Sunday. The Islanders are going to play the Rangers at MetLife Stadium. That will follow Saturday's Flyers-Devils game there. Um, what do you expect maybe from the atmosphere at MetLife this weekend? Do players still get up for games like this, of the outdoor games? I think on the Rangers, the only guy that was in the last outdoor games they played in was Chris Kreider. Um, but do players still get up for games like this? Do they still get excited? We've got the Winter Classic happening here at Wrigley just down the street next year. So I hope so is the answer to that. But... Uh, what's the anticipation like for the games this weekend? Uh, I spoke to Will Cooley yesterday, and he said he was super excited. This is his first ever outdoor game. So, um, you know, there, there are guys like that who are experiencing it for the first time. And anytime you do get to – you know, I, I got to play an outdoor game myself in college my freshman year. We played against BU at Fenway Park. And, you know, it is just it's, – it's unlike anything you've ever experienced before. Um, you know, walking into a football stadium, a ballpark to play a hockey game and – you know, seeing it packed with, you know, 80,000 plus people, it's it's something that if you can't get up for that, then then you're in the wrong business. Um, because, you know, these things, yes, they come around often for the league, but not for each team. You know, the Rangers haven't played an outdoor game in quite some time here, you know, six years, I think, since uh, the Winter Classic at City Field. So, um, you know, these guys are all amped up for it. And, uh, you know, it's it's not only a great experience for them, but also for their families, you know, they get to have the kids come out and skate, the families come out and skate, um, you know, really take in the whole weekend. And I think that's what's special about it for all the players is that, you know, there, there are rare weekends where hockey players get to be surrounded by family, you know, in an arena environment, in a football stadium environment. The tailgating, you know, is, is an addition as well. And uh, I think that's really the most important thing for them is, is soaking it all in with their family and creating those memories that they hold on to for a long time. So, yeah, I, I think the guys will be really fired up for this game for sure. And the uniforms, you know, I'm really excited to see those those jerseys. You like uh, them, eh? With the pants. Oh, they're so sick. I think depending on how they look with the socks and the pants and the helmet, could, could have potentially been my favorite Ranger uniform of all time. Wow. Big words. Big words. That's a big proclamation there. How about the, how about the matchup itself? The Rangers, obviously, the Islanders, that rivalry carries a lot of weight in hockey history. Um, does it still maybe carry that same weight in the city and maybe even on the ice too between those two teams? Well, it's hard to say now because they haven't played each other yet this year, which is ridiculous that we're in February and they haven't met yet. But I guess it's a good thing because they'll play each other now a couple of times here as the season winds down and they're both, you know, obviously in the playoff picture, the Islanders are trying to climb their way back into the standings. The Rangers still hold first. So, yeah, it's a big game points-wise. And, you know, I think the rivalry, um, you know, while it hasn't maybe felt that powerful the last couple of years uh, is still there. And I think that's only because last year, the Rangers devils rivalry was reborn. Um, you know, we haven't seen these two teams go at it in a playoff series, uh, you know, which, you know, I would love to see in my lifetime, especially with the Sorokin versus circuit matchup. But, you know, with Patrick Waugh behind the bench too, the Islanders are a more fiery group and the Rangers have been a little bit fiery with Peter Laviolette as well. So, you know, it, it should be a bash of two pretty strong personalities. Um, but, yeah, I mean, anytime these two teams face off against one another, it's it's going to be fun. The Sparks are going to fly, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to see these two guys, these two teams, excuse me, go at it. A Rangers-Islanders playoff series would just be phenomenal. That would be incredible hockey. Must watch oh, TV. Um, oh, so I'd be remiss if I had you on and we didn't talk about any college hockey at all. I love college hockey. If you can use hockey or any sport to get yourself an education, I'm always all over that. Uh, you yourself played 81 NCAA games. Um, you do a lot to promote the game at all levels. Um, sometimes that's when college hockey is at its best, too, not just like these big-name programs like Michigan and Minnesota and all the the state-of-the-art facilities and the first-round talents. and um, some. It's always sometimes like the small schools like RIT and RPI, Princeton, Yale, um, just like the great atmosphere. That's part of what makes college hockey so special. Um, first of all, what's it been like just like working for Nesson and covering games? And what do you like out of college hockey so far this year? Did you did you catch the bean pot final last night or no? I saw the highlights last night because I was at the Rangers game, so I couldn't watch the game. Um, but college hockey, I think right now, it's, it's the best it's ever been. 
Um, we talked about it on the show this morning. Like, you know, in the last last five years, you look at defensemen in the NHL, and, you know, to me, maybe it's biased, but, you know, the best defensemen in the NHL, like I said, the last five years, have come out of college. It's, yeah. you know, Cal McCarr, Quinn Hughes, Adam Fox, um, Charlie McAvoy, uh, you know, the, the list kind of goes on and on. I mean, you know, college hockey is at a, at a great place because the development and where USA hockey has come as well. Um, and the atmospheres, you know, it, it's just, it's unlike anything, man. Like when you, when you walk into a rink and you're, you're surrounded by a lot of your peers, your teachers, professors, and then there's locals as well. Um, you know, I, I think my favorite place to play was University of Maine just because there were so many students there that, that packed that barn, the Alphand, and you know, it's such a communal thing up there. Like it, it was truly one of the, the coolest environments I've ever been in. Um, and, you know, Maine, like you said, it's, it's not a school that, you know, maybe has the most money, has the best facilities, but, you know, they have the most incredible support. And, and that's what college hockey is all about. It's, it's the support from the community that you're in. And you feel that when you're at a school like UMass, when you're at a school like Mercyhurst, you know, the two schools I played at. And you walk in the class the day after a game and your professor says, great goal last night or great game last night. And, um, you know, it, it's just it's just such a unique thing to experience. And being able to call games on Nesson and, you know, trying to build relationships with younger players in, in today's game that we'll see in the NHL. Like, I'm doing the UMass first BC game this Friday night, and I'm really excited because I've gotten to know Ryan Leonard a little bit. And, uh, you know, I played with his brother John at UMass, and Ryan actually committed to BC over UMass, so there's a little bit of a – not a rivalry, but a little bit of bad blood there, you know, on the UMass end. So, you know, this Friday night should be a lot of fun at the Mullen Center, you know, with Ryan returning home for the first time. And, you know, being able to call that game is going to be really cool for me just because I have a personal relationship with him and I have a personal relationship to the school. And, uh, you know, that's something I'm really excited for. But, yeah, I, I mean, anytime you, you get to, you know, I, I've watched hockey, I've listened to color commentators and play-by-play announcers my entire life. And, you know, I, I get to hear my own call, you know, on a Gabe Perot goal that Ranger fans are tweeting. It's it's something that, you know, I never really thought I'd be doing. And it's a really cool experience for me to, you know, have that opportunity. So, um, yeah, it's been a blast. And all I hope to do is just make the, the game more fun. You know, that's really all I've ever intended on doing. You know, I was one of those kids that got pissed off whenever people said hockey's not fun and you know it's all old personalities they, they need some youth they need some young personalities in the game and um you know luckily for me i had teammates that always just like kind of encouraged me to to put myself out there they said i always had the personality for it and you know, i wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them so um yeah it's, it's been an absolute blast to be able to i don't want to say get it back but just to help grow the college game a lot of good stuff there ryan leonard Great uh, pick by the Washington Capitals. He's going to be a great player for oh, them. Yeah. Um, University of Maine, too, the revival of the program this year with the Nadeau brothers. I mean, Bradley Nadeau is probably one of my favorite players to watch in college hockey this year. And the way that their program – like, it's packed in there. They they love it. They are all, The student section is all about it. You can – you know, recruits are starting to look at Maine a little bit more. They were supposed to have Artem Duda, too, before the NCAA ruled him ineligible. So – uh, they're a really exciting program, too. And add Artem Levshinov to that list of next great college hockey defensemen in the NHL. Um, book it now. I know a lot of people are already on this guy, but um, I am very high on him. So uh, one last one here for you, too. Obviously, um, you played NCAA hockey. We talked about that. And um, do you have – as a guy who played in the NCAA, I want you to put on your, your player cap, not your yeah. reporter cap right yeah. now. but. We've heard the whispers about the moving of the goalpost on the NCAA CHL rulings, um, potentially allowing CHL players to go and play NCAA hockey after their major junior career is done. Um, do you have a thought on that, maybe as a former player, um, and what that might mean for some guys? Because if if guys are allowed to come in for major junior hockey, that, that range of players that maybe don't get pro contracts but uh, otherwise might have gone and used their education package to go play in new sports – does that maybe like afford fewer opportunities for some guys that might currently be playing in the uh, NCAA right now, Division One? Well, it's interesting because I didn't even know this was a conversation until yesterday, so I'm still kind of learning about everything. And uh, my co-host Kobe Cohen on our show, Morning Cup of Hockey, kind of you know went deep into it this morning. And you know, for me, it's all about the development. Um, you know, I think you hear a lot of 
uh, you know, NHL management people talk about, you know, CHL versus college and how the CHL plays like 70 plus games a year. College, you play half of that. And, you know, some people think that it affects the player's development. Like, you know, for example, Lindy Ruff, um, a couple weeks ago when I went to the Devils game, I talked about Luke Hughes and he talked about their decor never having experienced an 82 game season. So there is give and take to it. Like, I still think there will be players that prefer to play in the CHL. But as far as the college development goes, like, you know, the point Colby made, you get better as a hockey player in practice. Like, that's where all your fundamentals are built. Um, that's where all your strength is built. And, yes, it's important to play games. But if you don't take your practice as games, you're not going to improve. And that's something that a lot of players learn in college. Um, because you do practice four to five times a week. You are in the weight room two to three times a week. You're, you're constantly, you know, learning about nutrition, um, recovery, sleep. There's so much that goes into it as a college athlete that, like, I had no idea about until I got there. You know, I always thought that I worked hard or, or at least tried my hardest prior to getting to college. And then when I got to college, I learned what hard work was. Um, you know, there were guys on my team that were, waking up at 6 a.m., doing skills practices, then hitting the weight room, then, you know, going to class, then two hours later coming back to the rink for video, then practice, then a team lift. Like, it, it is just insane what college hockey provides for players. And I think, you know, obviously this is a little bit of a biased opinion as an American who went to college, but I think every kid, every hockey player should be able to, to experience that. Um, you know, granted, I've never really had much of a, major junior experience, although I did intern with the Erie Otters for one year. But, you know, I think what this is going to do for the college hockey product is going to be incredible. You know, we've already got some of the best Canadian players to come over, um, you know, and play in the USHL, play in college, like Macklin Celebrini and Adam Fantilli over the last two years at Michigan and Boston University. Um, and I think you'll see that trend a little bit more because of names like those guys. But again, like we got so in deep in the conversation, like if guys are going to go from the OHL to college, you know, what does that do to the USHL, right? Do players want to, you know, go to the, the OHL and make some money for a year or two before going to college? Like there's so many other factors that go into it that we have to learn about because, you know, this is a pretty big deal. Like, And I, I don't think you want to totally dismantle the CHL, right? Like, you know, Hockey Canada, obviously they've, you know, they've, they've had a couple mistakes here just in, in things that have happened off the ice, but, as far as the on-ice product goes, like Hockey Canada is huge for, for the game. Um, you know, so there's, uh, I think, a lot of different things that go into it. But, you know, as a college hockey fan, yeah, I think it's incredible to have the CHL merge with NCAA. I think it would only make our product better. Johnny, you were great. Uh, thank you so much for doing this, everyone. Go check out the Blue Crew Pod and uh, Morning Cup of Hockey. Follow them. Give them five stars. Uh, you were great. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, we'll talk to you soon, man. Thank you. Happy to hop on whenever. Do a great job. Appreciate it. Thank you again. Uh, that was Johnny Lazarus, writer for the Hockey News, host of the Blue Crew Pod and uh, Morning Cup of Hockey. That guy does it all, everybody. He'll uh, be boots on the ground at MetLife this weekend. Um, he is great for the game of hockey. So um, we'll definitely get him on again. That was uh, really, really nice of him to, to join us and to uh, share his insight both on the Rangers and on college hockey. So... Um, the late game last night, the Wild outlast the Golden Knights, and uh, it looked like Vegas was in control for most of it. They honor Alex Petrangelo before the game for reaching 1,000. Um, and like I said, they looked in control. Um, they had a 3-2 lead, or, or I'm sorry, they had a 2-1 lead. They allowed, um, th they allowed the Wild right back in it. Sorry, I'm gathering my thoughts here post-interview. Uh, the two quick goals by the Wild ended up putting that one away, though. Uh, Vegas got one back late to make it 4-3, but uh, Joel Erickson neck with the empty netter. So uh, the Minnesota Wild get a big win that they needed. Uh, the the Golden Knights drop it on Alex Petrangelo night. Um, Raven, what'd you think of Johnny, man? That was Absolute good. Absolute legend. I, yeah, that guy was awesome. Killed I, it in every single way. I just am like, you know, I tried to jump into the game right after that, and I just, he, he was great. He was really good. Um, he has the... Uh the broadcaster like just calmness you know yeah he'll he's gonna do great things in this game does a lot like i said just to grow college hockey i mean anything that we can do to grow college hockey i think it's probably one of the more entertaining college sports um it's 
very economically viable if you're an institute if you're a higher education institution trying to make money off of your athletics um college hockey is a slam dunk so um the fact that he's able to give more shine to a game that uh is growing and look if this chl and it, uh chl ncaa line becomes blurred and players are allowed to go from one obviously players are allowed to go from the ncaa to the chl currently but not the other way around yeah so um if we can see that it would be very interesting i do still wonder a little bit long term i mean there is a lot of things to figure out here with um regards to nil and what it means for um just eligibility but i do worry about maybe that 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 fourth liner in college hockey that may or may not have their spot taken by a 20 21 year old freshman coming into the ncaa who's played three plus years of major junior hockey so um just all things to consider though um we mentioned 11 games around the board tonight but before we did that i did want to bring up this anthony duclair story and anthony duclair currently of the san jose sharks formerly of the florida panthers is building an outdoor synthetic ice rink in broward county florida um, that is South Florida for those of you who do not know the geography of Florida. Um, he also raised a bunch of equipment. Uh, the NHLPA helped him gather some stuff. It is a very interesting group that I hadn't heard of. It's like the NHLPA Dreams Fund or something, the Dreams Association. Basically, the, from what I understand, they uh, the NHL NHLPA Industry Growth Fund uh, was one of the assistant ones. And the NHLPA Goals and Dreams Fund donated $50,000 to purchase sticks, pads, helmets, and goal cages and skates. So it's a synthetic ice rink, meaning that you can use ice skates on it. And the fact that he is putting – nothing is ever, like this has ever really existed in South Florida before. Um, I would argue that the market has needed things like this for a long time. I am currently working with a group trying to develop hockey in a country where it is not developed at all. Um, the idea of synthetic ice has been bandied about quite a bit. I've been very much behind trying to push this on the agenda for that. Um, synthetic ice is great. It is not um, meant to be skated on all the time. It is not meant to be played. NHL games are not meant to be played on synthetic ice. But if um, you are putting it in a community that is underserved, especially as far as uh, accessibility to ice facilities go and there are a lot of communities like that both in the united states and in canada and all over the rest of the world um if we can do that and do more to grow hockey like this it is uh great i want to find the exact so he's putting it right next to a high school i wanted to try and find the exact name of the high school just so um i could be more specific but I, it doesn't seem to be here um boyd anderson high school um so that is in South Florida. It is uh, just great to see the game growing there. I um, He mentions that there's just a big Haitian presence in the community, something that is really close to Anthony Duclair. So um, anything we can do to get more hockey sticks in kids' hands, um, have more people trying the game, even people who try it. You don't need to necessarily stick with it long term, but if you try it once, you try it twice, and you become a fan um, that's also what we're trying to do here. We're trying to grow hockey fans, grow that next generation of kids. If somebody has tried hockey before, they may be more inclined to think of it as an option when they have children and they are looking to put them in sports. Um, so it is, it's just really great. Um, obviously Brett Peterson was, uh, who's the first black assistant GM in NHL history for the Florida Panthers. He was on, uh, he attended the event for Anthony Duclair down there at this rink and, um, He's going to serve as the GM for Team USA at the upcoming Worlds, and it's just big for hockey. I, I love to see this. This is what hockey is all about. We talked to Johnny about um, with college hockey. It's not about the the big name programs and the the Minnesotas and the Michigans. While those are very exciting, um, and we we just saw All Star Game weekend in Toronto, and that is the most flourishing hockey community in the world. You could argue right now, outside of some other Canadian markets like Montreal and. Uh, where Johnny is covering the Rangers with New York and here in Chicago even um, with the Blackhawks and like hockey's flourishing here. Hockey in Chicago, um, there's pro players, not just NHL players, but pro hockey players at all levels being pumped out. Um, NCAA players, you even dot across major junior rosters. There's Illinois kids, Chicagoland area kids. Um, but it's the continued growth of seeing players come from places like Florida, which we've seen already with some. Um, but the more we can see players like Brandon Duhame and Jacob Chikrin and 
those kinds of guys come out of Florida, the better we are off long-term. Um, same thing goes for markets like Arizona and Texas. Um, youth hockey is thriving in Texas right now, though. They might be one of the most underrated states as far as youth hockey go. In um, Texas the, and youth sports, though, is... Very true. They are just over, like, way overkill about it. J.P. Hurlbert was the name I was told. He is uh, the next star of USA Hockey. We have a few more to get there first. Obviously, we have this year's upcoming draft, and then we have James Higgins. Higgins is, is the way it's spelled. I think a lot of—I've heard a lot of people just say Higgins, though, when it comes to this kid's name. He is going to be a star, um, but J.P. Hurlbert, also keep that name in mind. He is out of the, uh, the Dallas Stars youth program there in Texas, so— um, we'll move off of that. Great to see Anthony Duclair, though, doing giving back to the community, even in a market that he's not playing in anymore. Um, he was doing some camps, I read, as a part of this, too. And uh, they are expanding the camps over to San Jose this upcoming summer. So good on Anthony Duclair. He does a lot for the growth of hockey. I will always have room on this program for that. Um, NHL games around the board. We mentioned there are 11 of them. We await to see the fate of Morgan Riley for the Toronto Maple Leafs. We will see how many games he will miss probably probably right as soon as we get off the program here. But they will host the St. Louis Blues tonight. That should be a good one. The Blues, obviously, as Johnny mentioned, coming off a walloping of the Montreal Canadiens on Super Bowl Sunday, 7-2. Um, this team is really starting to come together. They've won 7-8. of eight. Um, I am interested to see what a player maybe like Jordan Cairo does on a night like tonight when the pressure is going to be on. You're obviously on... Um, sports net there in Canada. So uh that is an interesting matchup. Obviously the the Lightning visiting the Bruins tonight is a crucial Atlantic Division showdown for both teams. Um obviously the less so for the Bruins. The Lightning would probably like to see if they can string together con- some consistent efforts now that we've uh we're past the Mikhail Sergachev surgery and understanding that he's most likely going to be out the rest of the season for them. Um, we have the Sabres hosting the Kings. We will see if the Kings can go 2-0 and under Jim Hiller. And uh, Carolina is going to take on the Dallas Stars as well. No anti-Ranta still for the Hurricanes. So we'll see if Peter Kachekov can ride the wave of Saturday's shutout of the Devils wearing the Hartford Whalers green. Um, we also have uh, Quinn Hughes, Elias Patterson, JT Miller, and co. in town here tonight as the Hawks will play host to the Vancouver Canucks. And... Last up on the board, the Oilers will host the Detroit Red Wings. Um, lots of good matchups there. We also have some other ones of some of the uh, bottom-feeding teams. And, uh, yeah, I think that's going to do it for us today here on the program. I hope everybody had a really nice time sitting in with us. We uh, are really appreciative of Johnny Lazarus coming on and joining us. Uh, stick around for the deep fade coming out later today. Give that a listen, and uh, we will see you all tomorrow morning. Wait up, full time.